The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we navigate in, through, and or around the topics of the day that affect you and me directly right here in the Central Valley of California. Thanks so much for joining us 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I'm going to spend uh, quite a bit of time today on the subject of truth because it seems to be a scarce commodity in today's world, and especially as we look at uh, the mass media as well. Uh, I want to talk about truth, how we handle untruths, how we respond to them, and how we win that battle. And you may say, I don't know, Mike, I don't think we're ever going to win it. I don't agree. I think it's going to be an uphill battle. I think it's going to be a tough battle. I think there will be wounds of some sort you might call them in the battle there will be battle wounds i i believe that but we must stand in the light of truth today because we are being assaulted with half truths which are not truths and flat out deceptions deceptions are are running rampant and it's also truth is also taking another form or the lack of truth did you see that uh recent uh, video uh, looked like it was from an iPhone or, or something, a, a video of uh, the Minneapolis uh, police officers and these little kids, I mean little kids, come up to them and they're kicking him, they're punching police officers, they're calling him names. They These kids at that age did not come up with this stuff on their own. They learned it from somewhere. Where do you think they learned it? from their home environments that small. I mean, look at these kids. They're, they're small. They, they didn't just come up with how to call police officers names. And they didn't just come up with, I'm going to go and, and, and hit and kick and punch the police officer and call them names they, at a young age. They don't come up with that on their own. It, it comes from the home. And so as we grapple with this issue of rampant deception, in our society, we have to also bring it home. And that's where you and I start with announcing what's true at home. I have met people throughout the years who are uh, rational people, otherwise intelligent people. I'm just going to let my kids decide the way for themselves and what's true. No, our jobs as parents, as grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, extended family, you might want to call it friends, neighbors, is to help define truth for the young people in our spheres of influence. That's our job. That's a mark of a healthy community. A mark of an unhealthy community is what we saw in that video. These little kids coming up and and really assaulting the police officers, who I think did, did a magnificent job of kind of pushing them away and and being as kind as they could without allowing them to, uh, to, to go too far in the process. So let's begin 
how about if we begin at the top? It is so important for us to camp on what is true, to do a little research behind it, because we cannot rely upon the news media anymore to give us the straight scoop. In the best of all possible worlds, I believe in the minds of the founding fathers, a free press, the First Amendment, was about a healthy adversarial relationship between the press, representing the public, and government. Now, when I say an adversarial relationship, what do I mean by that? I don't mean you automatically say the government is lying. No, no, no. Adversarial relationship in terms of we're not going to, as the press, we're not going to accept what you say as true until we check it out. But what do we have today? 90% of the time in the mass media, we have the press being publicity arm, frankly, of the Democratic Party that is in charge in Washington, D.C. and in Sacramento. We, we don't have an adversarial press now. And I'm, I'm going to bring this up in, in just a second in this clip. There are little inklings that we're starting to see within the national press that they're starting to say, well, maybe we're not going to allow the Biden administration to dictate to us what's said. And we're going to push back a little bit. Now, why, why do I say that? I say that because not because I believe the national press is now suddenly getting a conscience. It, it doesn't. What I believe is the national press to itself is saying, uh-oh, this Joe Biden guy is not working out well. Well, what do you mean he's not working out well? Would you look at the big headline of the day? Yeah, annual rate of inflation. 9.1% in June. That's the highest since, what, 1981? This is crazy, and it's avoidable. And so I think the national press is looking down the line and saying, if we're to have any semblance of credibility, it may not be with Joe Biden. And so we're starting to see little fissures in the marriage between the national media, media and the Biden administration. Not really seeing that much in California. The California press basically is, is um, married in, in an intimate relationship with Governor Newsom. Let's just call it like it is, right? So this morning, was it this morning? I think it was this morning. President Biden. A reporter is asking him, based upon a poll that has been published, and this uh, was one, I believe, from the New York Times and Siena College, uh, a poll there found the, the results were that 64% of Democrat primary voters said they preferred a candidate other than Joe Biden to run in 2024, while only 26% said he should be the nominee in a reelection campaign. All right, so among Democratic primary voters, 64% were saying, nah, we prefer someone other than Joe Biden in 2024. Only 26% said, yep, that's our guy. 
Now, there was also a figure there about 92%. What did the 92% say? 92% of Democrats, according to this poll, would vote for Joe Biden if he ran against Donald Trump. All right, so that 92% is a, a wedge issue in this poll. It's not a blanket 92% of Democrats are saying, yes, we want Joe Biden in 2024. It's saying 92% of the Democrats polled said if Joe Biden were running against Donald Trump, they'd vote for Biden. But when you broaden that, let's take Donald Trump out of it, they found that 64% of those voters said, yeah, we'd prefer someone other than Biden in 2024, only 26% said he should be the nominee. So a reporter yelled out a question to President Biden about this, and this is how President Biden responded. Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no, 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. All right. Joe Biden either doesn't understand the poll, possibly, or he's intentionally lying about the poll. And as you heard, the reporter confronted him. So it was, here, here are the facts about that poll, and, and uh, Joe Biden repeats 92% of them. And, and then at the beginning, uh, did, did you guess what he said at the beginning? Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. Well, <laughs> he may be right about that in some ways. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. Well, that's a half-truth, which makes it not a truth. It, it's spin. And so you see from the very top, from the White House, we have this problem. We have a problem of truth. And so it, it follows that we're going to have similar problems of truth down the line. And so it begins with us, you and me in the grassroots area to begin to push back on these things and say no to our spheres of influence. We don't have to get nasty about it, but to say, no, that's not accurate. But that requires that we be familiar with the facts. And that's why we have things like the Mike Douglas show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Because we want to provide you with as much information as you need to make good decisions at the ballot box and to influence your spheres of influence, your family, your extended family, the people at work, the people that you socialize with. We can win this, but it does require that we be proactive in terms of standing upon what's true. Well, I'll tell you another thing that's true. House prices keep rising, right? Inventory low, interest rate hikes mean price fluctuations. So selling your home now with an aggressive, experienced agent may be the right move to maximize your equity. Are you worried about costly repairs? Worried about upgrades needed to sell your home? I understand that dynamic. Well, call the agent I trust and recommend called Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No costly repairs required. No long-term contracts. You pick your move date, and Dan can even help you find a new home 
before you move. Keith and Tanya in Oakdale, they they went through the mental and physical toll of a long commute. It it was getting to them. It was time to sell, move closer to work, no matter what. And I didn't think they had enough equity to afford the home closer to work, but. Dan Phipps heard their story and immediately set some high expectations, and Dan wound up selling their home for thousands more than even his high expectation initial price. By the way, Keith and Tanya, they're now in a brand new home, much closer to work thanks to Dan. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend. I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or sold free. Call Dan. 209 Five nine three eleven eleven, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S.com. We'll talk more about coming up in three minutes on the Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon talking about truth. (laughs) In today's world, my friends, deception is thick in our air. It is. It's like when there's a, well, like the, the wildfire in, in Yosemite, like the wildfires that, that we see almost every year here in California. If you're anywhere near them, you notice how, how the air just gets permeated with smoke. It begins to sting your eyes. It begins to uh, uh, congest your, your throat. Uh, those who have breathing problems, uh, you may have some ex- extra breathing problems. You just want to get somewhere where you don't have to smell it anymore. Well, that's, that's the best analogy, analogy that I have today to truth in the United States of America. We're choking on the smoke of deception right now. Are we not? Don't you think so? Let me ask you a question as, uh, as we explore some of these various facets of truth and deception today. Who do you trust today? Who do you trust? In government, media, do you trust anybody? Who do you trust today to give you truth? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Let me go back uh, a couple weeks ago to uh, May 4th. And this was an exchange. I think this is a beautiful articulation of confronting deception with truth. This was Senator Rand Paul, a Republican from Kentucky, and he is doing some verbal jousting with Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on why the American people don't need the federal government to tell us what's true or not. This was all about that disinformation governance board. That was a mess. Wasn't it? All right, let, let me let you listen to Rand Paul. This is this is a great way to articulate truth in the face of deception. Let's listen. Agree. We can't we, even we, agree what disinformation is. This is you well, can't even agree that it was disinformation that the Russians fed information to the Steele dossier. If you can't agree to that, how are we ever going to come to an agreement on what is disinformation so you can police it on social media? I think you've got no idea what disinformation is, and I don't think the government's capable of it. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? 
the U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine you know, speech by traffickers is disinformation? You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Exactly. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. Amen. That is one of the most powerful, I think, uh, excellent exposés on truth and government that I've heard in a long time. I heard snippets of that before, but I went back uh, early this morning looking for examples of how politicians articulate truth in the face of deception. That was brilliant. Now, Rand Paul's not a dumb guy, right? Uh, Rand Paul is a very intelligent man. I don't always agree with him. That's not the point. I respect intelligence when I hear it. And those times when I disagree with him, I will. Uh, on this particular point, I think he's right on the money. And he noticed he said one of the greatest suppliers of disinformation in modern history is the U.S. government. And he cited several examples to back it up. He didn't just make an accusation out of the blue, he backed it up. Absolutely brilliant. And, and that's the way we need to approach this. Free, the free press works when it's in an adversarial relationship with the government. Again, not meaning whatever the government says, it's a lie. No, 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 no. The adversarial relationship means the press asks questions. The press investigates the press says, all right, that's the statement you made. Now let's investigate it and see if it's true or not. It doesn't mean, well, let's find out if it's true, prove it's true, prove what's not true, and uh, then we'll put our own spin on it. No, it, it, it's, it's invest doing a proper investigation, looking at the facts and being willing, which the national press today is not willing to do. They've proven that they are not willing to announce truth when it bumps up against their narrative. They will not do it. And I, I even have caught Fox news. I, some of you are going to say, well, you're just Fox news. No, I have, I have heard folks on Fox news, nuanced things. So I'm, I'm not excluding anyone here. It is vitally important that we question the media and not just accept everything we're told. Theologically, a guy by the name of Paul said, question things. <laughs> I mean, this is important. This is very important. So who, what, what source... Do you depend on for truth? Where do you look for truth? Our number here, 209-551-3483. In, uh, in today's world here, uh, current mass media, it's a proponent of federal and California state governments. It is. Mass media is an information arm of democratic administrations. Now, it's not in an adversarial role. 
It's an, an advocacy role. That's not the job of the press. It is not. They're abusing their First Amendment rights. And so not only do we need to hold government accountable, we need to hold the press accountable. And we need to push back when we hear things that aren't true. Well, let's engage in that process in another five minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Well, let's get social and let's get the conversation going here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, talking about truth. And where do you look for truth, you personally? Do you trust the media? Do you trust the government? Where? Who do you trust? What do you trust for truth? 209-551-3483. By the way, before I forget, a really important note here. Today is National French Friday. Uh, now, we, we mentioned that yesterday. It was coming up. Today is National French Friday. I started to think to myself, self, what, how do these days happen? How do they happen? And there are actually uh, two, two sources for these kinds of, of days. One source, you have to pay something like $93 for the online version or uh, e- ebook version, $98 for the hard copy. Uh, it's called Chase's Calendar of Events. Chase's Calendar of Events. I don't have 93 or 98 bucks to look up what day it is, but there's another one that's free online. It's called national, uh, national day calendar.com national day calendar.com. I got curious. I got curious. Apparently every day they're saying they receive over 10,000 requests for national days. Out of the 10,000, 10, they typically take about 20 to 25 additional days a year. So they're kind of like a brokerage firm for, for national days. And so I got curious. Now I'll get back to truth here in a minute. Don't worry. I got, what, what else is today? What else? It is also today is also National Barbershop Music Appreciation Day. I like barbershop singing. That, that's cool. It's National Beans and Franks Day. And it's also National Delaware Day. Did you know that? Tomorrow is National Mac and Cheese Day, National Nude Day. Did I read that right? Yeah. Don't celebrate that, at least in front of me. Uh, National Tape Measure Day. Well, that's an interesting day to have attached to National Nude Day. There's uh, Bastille Day and National Grand Marnier Day. And then very quickly, uh, this Friday, the 15th, uh, coming up, National Gummy Worm Day, National Tapioca Pudding Day, National I Love Horses Day, National Pet Fire Safety Day, National Give Something Away Day, and World Youth Skills Day. So there you go. Huh. That's uh, 
I'm just going to leave that where it is. So what about what about truth? Where do you go for truth? How how do you how do you search for truth? Who do you depend on for truth? 209-551-3483. Let's go to the phones and uh, up to Stockton we go and Barbara. Hi Barbara, welcome to the show. What about truth? Well, Mike, uh, thank you for taking my call. As to truth, when I hear something, I kind of take a wait-and-see attitude. And then I, I, I read the paper every day. Of course, you can't trust the paper either. And I listen to other newscasts. You know, I like to listen to the uh, BBC and just kind of wait a few days just to see what's going to shake out, what's really going to happen. Uh, that's my attitude. And I, and I was wondering, and maybe you know, most of these people, like in the newspapers now and on the news, are they mostly young people? The reason why I'm asking is because I'm wondering if they've ever stopped to consider that what, with all of these untruths and decisions that are being made, do they realize that down the line not only does it affect uh, the general public, but it affects their families and their children, and they're going to get older. And if they really stop to think that when some horrible thing happens or some big lie comes out and everybody believes it, and then down the line they will say, well, you know what, I was part of making that happen. Do you think they even think about that? Well, I have two uh, immediate responses to that, Barbara, and, and they're slightly different. Uh, one is yes, but a qualified yes. Yes, in terms of I think a lot of them, uh, even young people in the national media today, they know full well that they're spinning the news, but they're spinning it for a purpose, and that is to create the society that they would like to see. So there's a yes on, on that end of the question. Let me go to my other side of the question, Barbara, and I would say no in terms of do they really understand the long-range effects that they're going to have not only upon the public's life, not only upon the nation's life, but upon their lives as well. No, I don't think they're thinking that deeply. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of uh, reporters coming up this day are uh, on the younger side. Uh, you know, there there are some of the, there are the, uh, you know the older commentators that are that are still out there, but I, I think in general, especially in in local news, uh, there aren't a whole lot of local papers anymore. The local news, but I think uh, for especially online news, the Twitter reporters, a lot of them are at least thirties uh, or or younger. Many of them, and I don't know that many of them really have thought about it that deeply in terms of. Am I harming the culture? Am I harming society by spinning things? So yeah. there's my yes yes and no answer to your question there, Barbara. Does that help at all? Well, yes. Uh, I thank you. I used to have such respect for the press, and it's it's just sad, you know, to have to lose it. But, but they used to, you know, they, they were, it seems like they would really be looking out for the public, but now... Uh, you don't just don't see that anymore. Well, thank you for taking my call, Mike. Our pleasure, Barbara. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate that uh, very much. And uh, love you folks up in Stockton. 
appreciate when you're calling uh, as well. Uh, Barbara, and that was a great question from, from Barbara. I'm, I'm thinking back to 1976, 77, 78. Uh, yeah, 76 through 78 as I was going through uh, journalism school, both print journalism and broadcast journalism as well. And we, and my classmates and I, I think at that point, we, I, I think by and large, we had a lofty ideal about being the fourth estate, that is the news media, that our job was to find the truth and not to be any person's spokesman or mouthpiece, that we were out there to find the truth. Now, it's, <laughs> and this is typical of when you go through police academies, when uh, you go through journalism school, when you go through a lot of things, there's the way you learn it in the classroom, and then there, there's the way it really is in real life. And oftentimes, although the two intersect, oftentimes what's real on the streets is not what's taught in the classroom. And I got out there early on, and I was disgusted by what I heard. I was disgusted by it, and I decided I, would, I didn't want to be part of this. And so I went into law enforcement, something that I felt was a uh, um, far more honorable thing uh, to do. I agree with you, Barbara. Uh, th- there was a time when uh, I looked at some reporters, and I was trained by some of the best. These names won't mean anything to you, probably. Joe Saltzman, uh, a great uh, documentary uh, producer for CBS uh, based in Los Angeles. Warren Olney. Uh, Warren Olney was one of the great investigative reporters out of Los Angeles. And, uh, and I can't remember her name, but uh, my print, uh, my print uh, professor, print journalism professor, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but she uh, had worked for the LA Times. And at that time, uh, we, were, we were taught to have at least three different sources. And if, if we turned in some of the palaver we see today out there, we would have gotten big Fs on, uh, on our assignments there. So I agree with you, Barbara. There was a day, and not to say there are not the bright lights of today, but they're few and far between. And they're not the ones, well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Many of them are not the ones that are making lots of money at it. Uh, but uh, I, I look at Twitter and I look at some reporters that I, I follow. Um, Ashley Zavala, don't always agree with her perspective, for example. I think she just, did she just uh, move to a local news station, I think, or, or move news stations? Might have been. Anyway, I, uh, I appreciate her reporting. It's usually, uh, usually very good. Uh, look at uh, Bill Malugin. Uh, out of Los Angeles, he's spending a lot of time on the border. I I believe, and as I've watched him, I think he's uh, he he gives the straight scoop. So uh, folks like that uh, are 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 bright lights, and I, I hope we will see more of them. The problem is that the journalism schools, the big ones, are teaching a narrative. They're teaching how to sculpt society to fit your narrative 
through the media. That's what they're teaching. They're not teaching what I was taught back in the, the late 1970s. And, of course, at that time, remember uh, uh, the whole Watergate thing. And uh, I, I thought, uh, wow, that, there was some great reporting. I don't have a lot of respect for either of those guys anymore because of uh, what's transpired uh, since then. And in terms of them really, I think, selling out to, uh, to the big money and, and uh, to the government officials that they want to uh, be friends with. Woodward and Bernstein. I don't have much respect for them anymore at all. Sad to say. Uh, yeah. And our producer reminds me, and then there's the dollars for the books. That's big. And the other thing today that I think um, damages journalism is the clickbait, online clickbait. We want to get the click. And so we'll nuance the headline to get the click. We'll nuance the lead paragraph to get the click, to grab people. And then have you noticed today, and this is all over the media, conservative as well as, uh, as, well as liberal, the, the faces that you often see a lot at any point of time are selling books. That's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. I, if, if I've, I've purchased some books because I've heard the authors talk about it. But I think that can also be abused where we bring people on because they're selling a book, not necessarily because they have something pithy to say. All right. We'll talk more about uh, truth, where we find it or not. By the way, there are sometimes looking to foreign sources are good. Sometimes I look to the BBC to get a straight scoop because they really don't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. There are some times that the BBC has some perspectives that uh, I think are pretty valid, and I always try to find two or three different perspectives on any news story that has some questionable uh, questionable integrity in my mind. And I I try to get the BBC's perspective on it. And I also go to the CNNs and the MSNBCs because uh, I'm curious about each aspect of it. So there, uh, there we go. Talking about truth, I want to talk about an incredible example of truth versus deception. And this was in a verbal jousting match between Senator Josh Hawley and a U.S. Berkeley law professor, Kiara Bridges. This was absolutely amazing in some ways and highly disappointing and others, as you consider that this U.S. Uh, this UC Berkeley law professor is a law professor at one of the top twenty law schools in America, it's discouraging. We'll talk about that. We'll play a clip from that coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're talking about truth and and values and where you go for it and how to recognize it and how to deal with not truths and deceptions that seem to be flying around us today with great, great glee. All right, let's go to the phones, 209-551-3483. 
Debbie from Stanislaus. Welcome to the show today, Debbie. What's on your mind? Well, thank you very much for today's subjects, plural. And thank you for all the wonderful callers that call in. They have so many good things to share. Um, I think our technology has taken our truth away from us. And I don't think it makes us good or bad. We're just caught up in a in a quagmire. And I think that in that quagmire, values are more important than the word truth. Because if we go through our life, when we become old enough to understand the difference between what we call truth, there's a thing called values. And most of us aren't raised with values. And that's what brings about what we're going through, I think, my opinion only. What's happening in our, our whole country in the United States, and it's pouring over into the world because we lost our way. And I get very boring, I'm sure, because I keep saying the same thing about technology. But there's so many things about technology that groomed us so well from the very beginning. In the very beginning, it was to give us that that instant gratification. Once we got a taste of that, We wanted more and more and more, and we wanted it faster and faster and faster. It got to the point when we lost our way, we didn't know that the word truth that you brought up today, because we aren't honest anymore. We we really want to say the popular thing. We want to be um, in with the in crowd, whatever that crowd is. But your technology is so it's insipid. It's horrible. I can't even begin to talk about how horrible it is because nobody can keep up with it anymore, and it's so full of poison. We somehow have to – I don't know how we're going to do it, Mike. Maybe you have the answer. We have to get back to the basics, and the basics are God gave us, at least I believe, a brain, and we all have different IQs. We don't need high IQs. We need to have a concept of our brother's keepers, that we really are our brother's keepers. And that's what we were taught when we went to the first churches or synagogues or temples or wherever we went. But we've lost all that. And it was deliberately done to us. We didn't do it to ourselves. And so when we went through the different trials and tribulations, when take California, for an example. When our churches were closed down, when our state was closed down, our businesses were closed down, what it does to the person's psyche and their emotions, because they can't find the truth. If they don't have sophisticated technology, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in the United States of America that don't have any technology. Did you know that, by the way? There are. Are you aware of that? Debbie, let let me react to, uh, because you brought up a couple of subjects here, and I want to be able to uh, react to them before we run out of time here at the at the top of the hour. So if if you would permit me, let me. Uh, let oh, me, I'd be uh, honored. To, yeah, let me let me speak to some. Thank you for that. Let me uh, speak to some of the issues you talked about. First of all, you br- you bring up a very interesting, uh, uh, <laughs> very interesting thought, uh, and it's kind of a. a chicken and the egg type thing, which came first, values or truth, truth or values? Uh, Do values come from truth or does truth come from values? 
interesting thought uh, that you bring up. Think about that for a moment. Uh, The other thing, uh, I agree with you, Debbie, that technology clouds the truth. Uh, because technology is, at least at the moment, subservient, subservient to the programmer. And so whoever the programmer is, the technology is going to reflect the opinions, the values, the truths, if you will, of the programmer. And so we're all relying upon technology. And I agree with you, Debbie, that we need to We need to adjust our thinking about technology. It's great to use. However, we need to think about how can we operate without it? What can we do to make decisions, uh, to exercise major uh, decisions that we need to make? Uh, How do we plot our lives without technology running it? I think that is a very, very good point. It's something we needed because Technology is beginning to run us, right? Uh, if, think about it. And I've, I've, I've done this myself. I will accidentally leave my cell phone at uh, the office or in the studio or at home. I'll, I'll be a couple blocks away. I realize I don't have my cell phone. And it's like I, my blood pressure goes up and I'm, I'm uh, about to have a heart attack. Oh, no, I don't have my phone. Well, I'm going back 30, 40, 50 years ago, we didn't have cell phones, and we did just fine. And so I'm, I'm disciplining myself now to turn the phone off and to be able to operate without it. Now, if there's an emergency call that I'm expecting, that's a whole different thing. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Debbie. I think we need to discipline ourselves to be able to function without technology and that will help our brains by the way that'll help us i think live longer and have mental capacities while we're living longer well we'll talk more about our mental capacities coming up in five minutes here on the mike douglas show power talk 1360 kfiv the show you love talking about the issues that are important to you the voice of the valley the mike douglas show now every weekday from three till five on air and online power talk 1360 kfiv here again is your host mike douglas and welcome back as we begin our number two of the mike douglas show today here on power talk 1360 kfiv Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we plumb the depths of the many topics that are assaulting you and me on a regular basis here in California's Central Valley. Talking today about truth, where do we find it, how do we assess it, what do we do if we're faced with deception, and some good conversations thus far, Let and I want to go back just a moment to uh, our previous caller, Debbie, talking about technology. And uh, I agree with her thesis there. We, I, I don't think it's healthy for us to rely upon technology. Uh, to use technology, yes, but to rely upon it for truth, uh, to rely upon it so we eventually become subservient to it, no, I think that's that's dangerous. I think one of the most powerful things we can do, especially as we age, is to keep our minds very active. 
I remember when uh, my mom was uh, still alive towards the ending chapters of her life, uh, she she did things to keep her mind active. She did puzzles. She took classes at the local hospital that was about five minutes away on lip reading. She wasn't hard of hearing, but she just was interested in doing that. So she did things that would exercise her brain, and that helps us. My nurse practitioner wife would uh, would underscore this. It helps us mentally later on in life if we keep our minds active and if we don't rely upon technology. I do uh, as much as I can. (laughs) I will write out addition problems or subtraction problems. I will do it longhand rather than automatically go to a calculator. Why? Because it's important for me to keep my mind the gears, the gears meshing in my mind and keep them oiled. And I think our minds can atrophy if, if we don't keep exercising our minds. And then there's this whole, whole artificial intelligence issue. And I want to take you back. I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this on hand, and I'm going to bring it up every so often. I want to take you back, what, 50... Four years, 54 years, the dangers of relying too much on technology. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Oh, Mike, you're just being uh, overly dramatic. No, no. I I think 2001 is Space Odyssey uh, at least ought to have taught us to exercise our own mental faculties rather than just relying upon technology. And again, at least at this point, the attitude of the perspective of the nuances of technology are built into it by the people who program it. You look at the algorithms. I mean, haven't we seen that recently? You look at the algorithms of Facebook, of Twitter, uh, and such that... Who gets, who gets to have lots of publicity? Who gets the most clicks? It has to do with those algorithms. Well, the computer didn't make those algorithms on its own. Those algorithms were programmed in there. And so the, the attitudes and the nuances and the perspectives and the biases of the programmers are reflected in the technology that we use. And so I, I agree with Debbie's thesis that we need to use our brains as much as we can and not always rely upon technology. Uh, two things, is, and I want to get to this uh, discussion of Senator uh, Josh Hawley uh, talking to U.S. Berkeley law professor Kiara Bridges. Uh, excellent, I, I, excellent exchange as a study of how the woke culture sidesteps truth 
And I, th- when we go through this, we're going to do that in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to stop and start that exchange because I think it's important to identify certain principles as we go through it. I think you'll find, I hope you'll find this very interesting. I, I, I found it interesting and I've listened to it uh, several times earlier today. Two things I'd like to bring up before we proceed to that. As we talk about truth, my question to you, to you is, where do you look for truth? Where do you look for truth? Media? Government? Your theology? Where do you look for truth? 209-551-3483. As a pastor, let me put on the pastor hat for a moment. When I am either at the pulpit delivering a sermon, or whether I'm in in the afternoon church that's on hiatus at the moment, we have uh, more of a, uh, it's not a didactic-type format, it, it's a two-way conversation. It's, uh, it's a discussion of, uh, of Scripture, and, and we learn by asking questions of each other. Anyway, I always encourage people to question what I say. Don't accept what I say as the gospel truth. I do my best. I do my level best. I check and recheck, but there are times when I will mess up. And so I invite congregants to say, if you, if, if you notice something that didn't sound right, didn't add up, you have a question about it, ask me. And the same thing here on the Mike Douglas Show, and this is really important. And other day, yesterday was a minor, uh, minor example of it. I think it was, was it DJ from Modesto? Uh, we were talking about Governor Gavin Newsom. Well, we were talking, I'm sorry, about Attorney General Rob Bonta and uh, the release of CCW application information. And at, at, when that first hit, there was a thought and there was a perspective that, well, the DOJ had been hacked. And I misspoke yesterday. I used the word they had been hacked. And DJ called and, and said, no, they... It was a release, and exactly right. In fact, the letter from Rob Bonta, the Attorney General, says, in fact, that the DOJ was responsible for, in their words, unintentionally or in an unauthorized manner, releasing private information that might put the rest of us at risk. But the point is that it's important to if if you're in a position of authority or if you're in a position of facilitating talk like this or if we're in a position of teaching that we remain humble enough to say if i say something that doesn't sound right let me know and then to admit it when we do that that is so important in this process do you hear that much anymore in the media Rarely, oftentimes in print media, if there is a correction, it's buried on page 82 somewhere. Uh, so anyway, I think the, the, the point is that for me, I invite people to say, gee, Mike, that didn't sound right. That's important, whether I'm in a pastor role or a talk show host role or my role with advancing vibrant communities or as a father or as a husband. It's always important to listen uh, to reactions. All right, 
Uh, let's go very quickly uh, back to the phones, 209-551-3483. And uh, Loretta in Modesto, welcome to the show. Loretta, today, what's on your mind? Well, today we've had lots of cases with police all over town and all over the states. But some of them are killings and some have been solved. However, there is one that happened way back in the 60s, and that person never was Nothing was ever done on the case. So have you ever heard of cases like that? And who can we ever go to if it's been that long ago? All right, let me let me ask a question to to clarify my answer. Is uh-huh. and again, I've I've been here twenty seven years in this community, so I'm probably not familiar with what you're talking about. So is are are you saying that there was an officer involved shooting? And, no. No not what this was i lived right next door to these people okay my son and i walked into a bedroom saw a man laying on the bed the gun at the end of the bed his hand back up at his head police were called later on police put it down it was suicide right afterwards there were three other cases they weren't the same but they were all connected and to this day, none of it has really been solved to where it sounds good to me. And the killer of that person was never done. It always stated it was suicide. Okay, but and so you're... you're it, the bed, it's you, not suicide. You're saying that these other cases also look like suicides as well? Is that, is that what you're saying? No, they do not look like suicides, but they're connected. And maybe I'm wrong, but I believe all this is connected in with narcotics. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, so, so we had a a, a dead person, uh, a gun at the foot of the bed. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And the police said it was. They ruled it was, or at least the the DA did, the investigators, uh, that it was a a suicide. Your belief it was a homicide. And re- refresh my memory from the from the top of your comment here. How long ago was this? It happened late sixties. 68, I believe, 1968, I believe it was. Okay, and that was here in Modesto? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Can you share any names that the people might remember? The man that was killed was a custodian at, at Downey High School. His name was Cletus Terry, T-E-R-R-Y. He was a custodian there. Okay. You've given... <laughs> Given a lot of details here, an interesting question. Uh, let me do what I need to do here uh, very quickly. I'll be back in three minutes, Loretta, and I will respond to your questions about that, okay? Uh, Mike Douglas Show will Thank be you. back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're talking about truth, how to ferret it out in a world of spin and deception. Uh, very interesting call from Loretta from Modesto talking about a uh, death that occurred, what, over 50 years ago? Uh, a man named uh, Cletus Terry, 
and she was giving us some details there that uh, he was found dead, uh, apparently of a gunshot wound. There was a, a gun at the foot of the bed. She said there were uh, three other similar incidents around the same time, and she's talking about what is true. She doesn't believe there were suicides, although, <coughs> excuse me, although apparently it was uh, <clears throat> ruled a, a suicide there. Um, let let me, and, and and it's hard, and I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback here, but but let me talk about how we approach finding out what's true in situations like this. First of all, the world is different in law enforcement, in uh, the business of coroners today, in the business, well, the world is just different than it was that long ago. And so I think there is more attentiveness to dealing with cases and making sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed, at least here in California. There are other law enforcement agencies in the rest of the country where it's not so uh, precise, shall we say, but in general on par. I think California does a a good job in law enforcement and and investigation. So let's, I can't do much about what happened then, but let's talk about if that happened now, what we'd like to see. What would we like to see under those circumstances? Uh, We would like to see the press do its job. And that is not beat up on law enforcement because they want to beat up on law enforcement. No. We want the press to do its appropriate role in in being uh, an adversary, the appropriate adversarial position in saying, what do you know about this? What you, can you tell us about it? And how do you prove it? How do you know that it was a suicide? How do you know that it wasn't a homicide? Who are the investigators? Who investigated it? What was the evidence? And and such. So I, I think part of it is if, if we had a responsible press today, the responsible press would be part of that mix. Secondarily, I think local government, city council, county board of supervisors, uh, in these types of circumstances where there is questioning by the public, uh, they have a duty to appropriately hold law enforcement accountable and say, give us all the facts that you know and how did you arrive at them. That's not threatening. Now, there are certain confidential things that may be needed in an investigation in progress. Understand that. That's not a problem. All right. So there, there is the, the, the free press doing its job appropriately. There is local government doing its job appropriately. And then there are uh, the families, the neighbors. I've had uh, friends who have had relatives, or at least extended family, where it looked like it might have been a suicide, and they they pressed local officials, and local officials, because the squeaky wheel often gets the grease, uh, looked into it and found that, no, it wasn't a suicide. There actually was a homicide that occurred. In fact, there's evidence to show uh, that fact. So I think those three elements of our society need to come into play. Again, Loretta, we can't go back that far uh, without cold case investigation. Problem with cold case investigation is law enforcement is pummeled right now with cases. They're pummeled with calls for service, 
and uh, especially with budgets being what they are, and across the nation this this ridiculous uh, thrust to to defund the police, you just don't have enough personnel. Um, the police departments, sheriff's departments, coroners, uh, the DAs don't have unlimited staff, and you get you have to deal with the stuff that's happening now. It's very difficult to uh, go back on some of these cold cases. So I, I don't. Uh, th- there are ways to go back and review things, certainly, but I think we really have to bring that into the context of what if it happened now. And again, I guess my response, my best response to you, Loretta, is we need the participation of a press that has integrity, of local government that has integrity, and also a uh, the family and, and the community that operate with integrity as well. Those three things, I think, are a, a, a add up to a uh, to a good resolution and there are it you have to go with the evidence by the way we are we are supposed to be under the rule of law although we see a selective enforcement happening especially at the federal levels the, the law is not applied equally across the board we know that we see it that's not up for debate anymore it's uh, it's very apparent and i'm hoping that after November 2022, and especially after November 2024, that there are people in office, both in Sacramento and Washington, D.C., who will operate with integrity, especially in the law enforcement realms, and that they will not do selective enforcement of the law or selective sentencing, but they will have the integrity to apply the law equally across the board. Justice is supposed to be blind. It's supposed to be meted out, not according to skin color, not according to uh, political influence, not according to uh, how much money that person may have. It's supposed to be blind to all those factors where we just look at the facts. Remember Dragnet? Just the facts, ma'am. Well, we'll take a look at some more facts. I want to get to this uh, Josh Hawley exchange as well. All that coming up in five minutes right here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for being part of the mix today. So much appreciate your perspectives, your calls. And today we've been talking a lot about truth, how we find it, how we arrive at it, how we deal with the opposite of truth, how we deal with a lot of the spin and the deception that swirls around us today. We're choking on deception. I use the... the uh, uh, analogy earlier of being near a wildfire, one that's big. And if you've not been, well, you probably have been uh, in the wake of, of that smoke in an area from a wildfire. And when it's there for, for days, your your eyes sting and your throat hurts. And uh, it's hard to breathe if you have breathing problems and you just can't get away from it. It's, uh, it chokes you out. 
And really, that's uh, we we are suffering right now in our culture from the uh, smoke of deception. And so we've been talking about how to cut through that, how to deal with it today. 209-551-3483. Where do you look for truth? And how do you deal with deception? What do you use for that? 209-551-3483. One of our listeners just uh, (laughs) messaged in here. And uh, we were talking about spin. And uh, this listener says, uh, as the world spins... Uh, everything in the world is spinning today. Uh, the President Biden spins his memory. And uh, the media spins uh, the President's stories to show how much smarter his handlers are than uh, Trump. Uh, his handlers spin his intent to show how much uh, heart and soul of the President puts into his job. And then he says the Department of Justice spins definitions of crime to uh, protect the federal government, the president, his families. I would, I would assume he means uh, Hunter Biden attempting to be the richest socialist rulers as they sell the country out. Uh, he says the founding fathers are spinning in their graves where this country uh, has been led. I don't doubt that. And find the final line here is, my head is spinning why the Lord has waited so long to return. Ah, amen to uh, to a lot of that. All right. There was a, uh, and you may have uh, heard parts of this, there was a verbal joust uh, between, the at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, and this was uh, addressing concerns about Roe v. Wade being overturned. And the clip we're going to listen to is Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, and he is uh, talking to and questioning U.S. Uh, UC Berkeley law professor Kiara Bridges. <clears throat> Again, uh, Josh Hawley, senator, uh, Republican from Missouri. Kiara Bridges, a U.S. Berkeley law professor, one of the top law schools in the nation. I'm going to play the clip, and I'm going to stop at various places because I want to make sure that that we identify some issues as we go along. All right. Keep in mind, how do we deal with truth? Where do we find it? And how do we deal with spin, half-truths, and flat-out deception? Let's listen. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, All right, that was basically a yes or no question. You notice how she's tap dancing around trying to obscure her answer so she doesn't have to answer the question itself? There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy as well. There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy. There is no man who is capable of pregnancy. There may be women who are pregnant that are pretending to be men, okay, but they're not men. They are women who are pretending to be men. But they are not men. Let's keep going. 
most non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, We it's, can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, uh, now she's talking down to him, Senator Hawley. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, let, let's get back to the point. This is a bit... Do, by the way, do you have any relatives attending UC Berkeley? Have you sent family members there? Do you have children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, relatives that you might want to help go to college? Would you send them to UC Berkeley? 209-551-3483. That'd be interesting to know. All right, let's go on. So your view is is that the core of this this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic. <laughs> um, your line of questioning is transphobic. <laughs> Did you cast a little? <laughs> she's being very arrogant, and she's not addressing the issue. So what is she doing right away? She is attacking the questioner. And it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. Uh, and you notice she totally changed the subject, did not deal with the issue at hand. All right, so what have we seen... Two big things thus far, and and this is a major and common tactic of the woke left, and that is when you don't like the question and you know you're going to have to answer truthfully and you don't want to answer truthfully, attack the questioner. Shift the issue, shift the focus to the questioner and try to destroy them. Well, you're transphobic. Or, or change the subject entirely. That's what's happening here. Let's go on. So I think it's important because of my us, line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm. Yeah. Did Josh Hawley ever say he pretended that trans people did not exist? No. The whole thing. The whole question was. <laughs> Are, are women the only ones that can be pregnant, or can men be pregnant? Let's go on. Denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies? Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can get <laughs> so pregnant. So you are denying that trans people exist? And that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? <laughs> okay. All right, so there you've got my comments. Let's listen to it again with all of that in your minds now. Let's listen to it again And if you have your own observations, I'd love to hear them. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Here's the uh, exchange in its entirety. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? 
Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, we it's, can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm it's denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think men can <laughs> so get pregnant. So you are denying that trans people exist? And that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? All right, there we go. What's your impression of this law professor from UC Berkeley? What is your evaluation of this law professor at one of the top law schools in the United States of America. What is your evaluation of this law professor? And as you're giving that to me, what do you think she is doing to her students? Our number here, 209-551-3483. We'll discuss this further in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A very interesting uh, conversation between Senator uh, Josh Hawley and uh, this uh, professor from UC Berkeley. Again, if if you have some impressions that you'd like to share about her, be happy to hear them, 209 Five five one three four eight three. After hearing her and her exchange with Senator Hawley, would you send your family members? Would would you help pay for someone to go to UC Berkeley? Or let me even put this another way: if they got a full ride scholarship, would you let them go to UC Berkeley? <laughs> to, 209-551-3483. Our number, 209-551-3483. By the way, Governor Gavin Newsom is uh, on the East Coast. Uh, he uh, is in Washington, D.C. He's scheduled to, if he has not already, to receive the Frank Newman Award for State Innovation, which recognizes Californians' investments in public education. You've got to be kidding me. You gotta. Apparently, someone uh, made a note. Maybe he's at the White House measuring the curtains. Well, not sure. I I think he has his eyes on 2024, and uh, taking every op- And I'm not faulting him for that. If he wants to be president, uh, that's that's the way to do it. I firmly believe that he's going to be running in 2024. And it'll just be uh, 
be very interesting uh, to to see what he does between now and 2024. It'll be interesting uh, to see what happens in uh, in November of 2022. Will any kind of message be sent to the stronghold that the woke left has on California, do you think, in November 2022? Or will we just have a puny voter turnout again? And uh, basically, California will run up the flag, uh, run up the white flag and say, oh, no use, we give. This is just the way we're going to be. I, I, I don't give up. I don't give up. If there's a hill to be taken, we take the hill. And if there are dangers involved, we accept the danger as part of the honest way to do things. And that's that's how we right some of these wrongs. We, we, we need to stay at the table. This is a theme that many pastors in town and I have, have talked about. Despite all the deceptions, despite all the violence, despite all the problems that we have in our culture... It is very important for us as religious leaders. It is very important, I believe, for you as people of honesty and integrity to stay at the table. What do I mean by that? To be active in community, to stay at the table, to, uh, to be willing to engage in conversations like Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley, had with his UC law professor. Because many people are going to hear that interview and they're going to get it. They will get it. The problem is, how are they going to hear about it if they only listen to NBC, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, you name it, whatever. If they only get their news from Twitter, they only get their news from YouTube, if they only get their news from Apple, if they only get their news from Yahoo, it's... They may not hear it. That's why we, we do it here. So at, at least you're, you're exposed to it, and e- even if you don't agree with my take on it, that's fine. The point is to make you aware of these things, and then you can put it in your own mix and arrive at your own conclusions. So Governor Newsom, and what's ironic about that, Governor Newsom is uh, at the White House apparently measuring the curtains, and uh, President Biden is in the Middle East. That's interesting. So they're not there at the at the same time. I've got a quick question for the. And I know we have a lot of you listeners up in Stockton, and we're very excited. By the way, when when we when we see the phone line, we're always excited to see the phone lines light up, no matter where you are. But uh, all, very excited to see those of you from Stockton uh, being participants here on the Mike Douglas Show. Got a question for you. There is a study or a report that came from some place called the Smart Growth America. Smart Growth America. They released a report yesterday that says that uh, Stockton is among the top 10 deadliest metropolitan areas in the U.S. for pedestrians. Ah. So apparently Stockton is ranked number nine, the ninth deadliest metropolitan area in the U.S. for pedestrians. 
Uh, Fresno is next at 10th. Uh, Bakersfield is higher. They're more, even more dangerous at 7th. And down in uh, Southern California, uh, the deep south there of Southern California, Riverside, San Bernardino, Ontario, uh, they're ranked 14th. Do you have any idea what this is about, those of you from Stockton? Do you see that? Do you see that in your news? Is, is this a, a thing, so to speak? <clears throat> if, if you walk around Stockton, are, are you worried about getting hit or attacked? It doesn't say what they mean by deadliest, it, it, whether it's traffic accidents or homicides or whatever it might be. I'm just curious. Anyone from Stockton have an opinion on that? Do, are, are you worried about being a pedestrian in Stockton? 209-551-3483. Uh, very, very curious about that. Uh, speaking of uh, Southern California, by the way, I think a very, very dangerous thing happening Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors has directed its attorneys to draft a proposed ballot measure that would give the L.A. County Board of Supervisors panel power to remove an elective sheriff from office for cause with four-fifths of a vote. Now, it still needs to go back to the board for final passage. I think this is very dangerous. Very dangerous. There is a reason sheriffs are elected. Police chiefs, not so. Police chiefs are not, at least here in California, not elected. They are appointed by the local governmental agencies. They are hired by the local governmental agencies. Sheriffs are elected by the public. And so they work with their county officials. They work with boards of supervisors or whatever the the local um, county entity is called, but they are elected, they are put in office by the people. And that's a very strategic and important facet of the balance of power in county government. The sheriff is responsible for so much. Usually in California, they're also responsible for being the sheriff. They're usually the sheriff coroner. Actually, the medical examiner is someone else, and they usually have a chief deputy uh, coroner who actually deals with <clears throat> the deceased bodies and such. I think this is very, very dangerous. Uh, so does the sheriff, uh, Villanueva. Uh, he's a Democrat, by the way. Uh, this motion is a recipe for public corruption, particularly when cause remains so broad and undefined. Allowing political appointees with an agenda to determine cause is fundamentally flawed. He says, appears you're making yourselves the judge, jury, and executioner for the office of sheriff, nullifying the will of the voters. Let's keep track of that. Very dangerous, if it goes through, very dangerous precedent. Here in California, what's not dangerous is you and I get to meet again tomorrow at three o'clock here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a great night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.